Hello and welcome back to this week's Influencer Marketing Talks, brought to you by Cure Media, one of the leading influencer marketing agencies for high street fashion, home and beauty brands. I am Holly Morin and we are back for a start of a brand new season and we have some very exciting guests joining us today where we're going to be unpacking five of the most common myths surrounding Generation Z. So stay listening. So today I am extremely lucky to be joined by Kat Agostino and Jay Richards, the co-founders of Imagine Insights. And that's, I'll let you put this in your own words a second, because I'm sure you'll do a much better job of explaining it, but it's a Gen Z specialist intelligence agency, right? Mm, I actually quite like that. That's, I've never heard yeah. that one before. That's a good one. We'll stick with that. <laughs> But we're so excited to to share your insights, share your expertise with our listeners today, particularly because, you know, we found from our own research that Gen Z is an audience marketers really aren't comfortable with. They're not confident in their understanding of this generation. They don't feel secure in communicating with them. So to be able to share your expertise, your specialism will be super valuable to our listeners today. So thank you to you both for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having us. So today we're going to be myth busting, right? So we've got five kind of areas that we've identified where there are common misconceptions, things people just don't really grasp about this audience. And we're going to deconstruct them, take them apart, make sure people have a better idea of how this generation is engaging with the world and with the media and the internet. And I think the first one that I'd love to address is one that sounds super foundational, but I do think it's somewhere that trips people up. And that's the myth that Gen Z are children. You know, we, you, you, but you hear it, don't you? We still, I, I sometimes make the mistake of still thinking of them as this, the crazy kids of the internet age. Um, and I'm only a millennial. I think I'm in touch with the society. Yeah. <laughs> same as us, same as us. Yeah. But <laughs> That's why we surround ourselves with Gen Z employees as well yeah. as our community to, to make sure. <laughs> because, at the, and that's actually kind of perfect because at the top end of this generation, they are, they're in their mid-20s. They are in your office. They are your colleagues. They are fully grown adults influencing the world and the workspaces around them. And that's changing the way I think work has to exist, what we, what we mean when we talk about working in the modern age. And one of the first things that I'm curious about is I feel like your, your career has for a long time been kind of the main signifier of your success in life. Yeah. Certainly for my gener- for, our, for our generation, for our parents' generations, this was really apparent. And I wonder whether you think that's something that's going to hold, maybe Jay, this can be one for you, whether that's going to hold as Gen Z become more prominent in the workplace. Yeah, um, good question. Firstly, just to start off, thank you again for having us. Um, so, like, top line who we are. Um, I'm Jay Richards from Imagine Insights. It's my co-founder, Kat. Uh, we enable brands at like Amazon Prime Video to crowdsource qualitative content insight from our Gen Z community within 72 hours. But I know people will be like, who the hell are these people? Um, so, yeah, top line view of, 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 of who we are. Um, 
but yeah, I think the, the challenge is, is that Gen Z technically are aged between 10 years old to 26. So in some ways, they are still, a lot of them are still children. So people aren't wrong with thinking that they're children, but people are also wrong when they don't realise they're actually already in the workplace. And I definitely think going into over the next decade, I definitely think there's going to be a um, still a focus on career being a sign of success, because I just think that's ingrained in human beings. We're all realistically we're all designed to want to work to want to do something because the devil makes work for idle hands right so it's kind of like we just want to get stuff done and i definitely think that's still a um still something that's going to happen over the next few years but what i think there's going to be a change in is how much people's um self-worth is tied up within their career and i think historically a lot of us our self-worth is tied up in how well we did in our career or how people perceived us we wanted to be ones on the quote-unquote podcast or winning the awards and i think there's going to be a shift in that where people just say actually you know what i just want a healthy lifestyle so work fits into that healthy lifestyle um and i want to be successful and i want to have those things but my my self-worth in and of itself won't be dictated um, by that that's what i'm seeing from gen z um i think that's probably the the the, the biggest difference i'm I, I think we're gonna see over the next decade with regards to success and career yeah that makes perfect sense and sounds like a really positive direction for for us as a society to take and you mentioned a few things there jay that are going to be important to this generation within the workplace within their career but Kat, are there any more elements that are going to factor into how they decide where they go in their career, what's going to be important to them in their working lives? Yeah, it's, it's again, it's a really good question. I think there's so many things, you know, everything from, from culture um, and inclusivity. So for us as millennials, we'll know that, you know, we've been fighting, we're still fighting for an inclusive workforce. And, you know, the fact that DNI is like so talked about all the time, but actually this generation expect that. They expect mm. to come into a workforce that, you know, it is it is diverse, it is inclusive, things are set up for different types of people from different backgrounds, no matter what their circumstance, to be able to work in the same organisation as them. Um, and I think, you know, coming with that culture is something that we talk about as a business all the time, is that, you know, in order to keep people, in order to, um, you know, maintain an, a, a positive workforce, in, in order to get an amazing output from what you're trying to do no matter what your business you have to have a good culture and a good culture is everything from ensuring that your team can be heard that they have opinions that are taken seriously that they have the right interaction with people that you know that's what they need be that virtual or or in person but I think these all of these ways are just now sort of expected from this generation as opposed to why yeah. should we have to fight for this this is just how it should be yeah, I think it's the difference of going from nice-to-haves to, to non-negotiables, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what impact can we expect that to have on the workplace? How are, how are companies going to have to adapt, do you think? I think it sort of ties into that culture piece, which is, you know, how do you create a, a great working culture? And that is by being flexible or, you know, whether that's allowing remote working, whether that's a hybrid role, um, you know, getting away from this stigma that is always has to be nine to five or you have to be at your desk at this time or you have to be at a certain location. And, you know, for us, again, it's great. We've been able to build this business with these things in mind. So, yeah. you know, at this morning's call, we've got someone that's, you know, they're trained 
train's delayed so they're doing their call at the tube station in between like tubes going you know <laughs> past them and then you know on the other side I, I might be in another country and, and having yeah. a call and, and and I think that stuff as well is it all plays into that piece about culture and you know you're happier as a result of that if you're you know not necessarily and okay there are certain careers where I get you do have to be in you know if you're doing shift work or whatever that might yeah. be um, but you know to be able to just maintain that sort of flexible open remote way of working I just think has huge huge benefits for sure and and one of the things that stood out for me that you just said there and that I think will probably lead quite nicely onto the second myth is the importance on on diversity the expectation of work going into a more positive direction and one of the the myths that I think perpetuates still is this idea that Gen Z are all kind of they're bedroom nihilists you know they have no faith in humanity <laughs> they just want to be left alone um to, to sit in the corner of their dark bedroom which is kind of I, I guess that's a pervasive myth about teenagers or, or the youth for want of a better word um but you know we've talked about the priority Gen Z are placing on happiness in their work in life and I know more broadly from your research I saw that you found 68% of Gen Z do feel optimistic about the year ahead but that doesn't seem uh, totally holistic it's not all rosy unfortunately what are the biggest um, concerns for this generation that you found Kat? I mean yeah firstly that that report and you know that's there's there's so many great nuggets of information Mm. in that report and um you know it was lovely to read that that people are feeling optimistic this generation are optimistic but of course there are still challenges and you know we have to look back on the last couple of years and you know I don't want to talk about the pandemic for for, for the whole time because we could all do that but we do have to remember that the impact that that had was that you Mm -hmm. know relationships and whether that is your colleagues or your friends or your family or whatever relationships you have within your life um, for this generation is that a lot of those were really challenged um, yeah. so you know you, you weren't seeing people as much in person you couldn't have um, that same social connection and so I think rebuilding those relationships and being able to get out more um, and kind of you know nurture those is definitely a it's less of a concern but I guess a want mm. um, and I think there was also from our report a really big emphasis on wanting to enjoy life and that is yeah. You know, yes, think about your career and future planning, but actually lots of people said they just want to go out and they want to travel and they want to, you know, go to see live music because these are all the things that people missed out on. And especially mm. for, you know, that that age group where you are starting to go out a lot more and, and kind of come into your your 20s, um, that there's a that's a big change period from from kind of being earlier on as a Gen Zer. So I think, you know, all of those things are sort of playing a big part into the happiness and to future gazing and and kind of you know the the now versus yeah what's what's coming yeah and a lot of the things you mentioned there are very social you know you talked about the fact that this generation after two pretty rough isolating years are kind of desperate to rebuild those relationships and I know that you found in your research that loneliness is a real concern for this generation Mm. Jay, I wonder if you have any thoughts about the role kind of social media and the hyper connectivity that comes with being a member of Gen Z, whether that's contributing to the loneliness, whether it can help alleviate the loneliness, what role that's going to play for them. I think historically before the pandemic, I definitely think there would have been 
a social media would have had any detrimental effect on people's mental health. I think the shift that happened in the pandemic was that people began to realise how they could use it um, to improve their mental health, which then just pivoted their mindset towards social media in general. So a lot of them, a lot of Gen Z you see um, are more likely to take um, sabbaticals from social media than previous than other generations, just because they know, okay, if I can take a yeah. sabbatical, um, because I know it has a place. So social media has a place in their lives, but it doesn't have to dictate their lives. And I think with millennials, because we kind of, we came into, we were the first generation really to engage with social media at, at, at such a young age. So we kind of just realized, we just had our perfect lives on there and they kind of just like consumed us. And with Gen Z, they were able to, like I did with my older brother, I was able to watch the mistakes he made as he, as he, uh, as he got older and then not make those same mistakes. That's what they did with us. They just watched how we existed on social media and then didn't make those same mistakes. So instead of allowing social media to be a, um, a quote-unquote hindrance or a um, detrimental for their mental health they've actually seen it and gone you know what actually i can make it so i can use it where it's needed um and for me um when i'm speaking about them sorry speaking from, from their aspect for them it's going actually you know what as a, as a generation it's a great way to connect with friends i can say so say for example nick and our team he always says like oh i'm going to talk with a friend tonight and he always talks about talking with them like on Zoom or Google or FaceTime or whatever. So to him, using these things, using these platforms, yeah. using Instagram, using TikTok, it's enabling them to stay connected and make friends all around the world, but not allow it to consume their lives, which is a mistake I feel like we made as millennials where it consumed our lives and it didn't just have its place. With Gen Z, you see they're very much, they've had time just to think. So it's not that they're any better than us. They've just had time to think and look at the data and go, actually, this isn't something that I want for my life. So they're very much um, having that balance. So I definitely think loneliness will always play a part in every human being's life, but they use social media to actually improve their mental health. Um, not entirely across the entire generation, that's a very sweeping statement, but um, but in general, that's what we're saying. Sure, but we're always, you know, we're always gonna talk about groups, that is the way we have to work. Yeah. Um, individuals will always exist, but these are the general trends. And I yeah. think, it's totally something I see that they are using social media much more as a tool rather than a tether that I think the millennial, you know, our generation got kind of trapped into, unfortunately. Mm. Now, one of the other big areas that I really think refutes this idea that Gen Z, you know, don't care and just want to be left on to their own devices is, and this is something we saw in our research, I know you guys also found, um, the importance of sustainability to this generation it's something that they're really focusing on it's something that's really dictating uh, from what we see how they live their daily lives but I wonder Kat if you have any insights to share around what you're seeing from the generation in that regard yeah I mean we, we talk a lot about this with our community mm. and it, it came out in our report but it also comes out just generally when we're you know when we're talking with them all the time and I think you know sustainability is up there of course the the desire is there for gen z to want to be more sustainable and that comes from you know i think just environmental concerns being far heightened i mm. think there's food choices there's a lot more veganism now than than there were than there was you know quite a few years ago so i think that kind of desire to yeah want to protect the planet and help um as much as possible is is f for sure there but i think when it comes to things like fashion and that's often what people relate sustainability to even though it's not just about fashion, which I guess is another myth in itself. Um, but when it comes to that, I think the, again, the desire is there, but it's the, it's that 
um, catch 22 of, of cost, um, versus, you know, mm. desire, right? So if you are yeah. a, if you are not a pre-loved brand or a, and if you're a fast fashion brand, then unfortunately that sustainability element isn't there, um, mm-hmm. as frequently. So ha- yes, I want to buy, you know, sustainable clothes for example but actually can I afford to so I think the the flip side of that is there's real need for brands to address this so if you want Gen Z to buy your products whatever that product is um and sustainability is a factor for them how do you make your products more sustainable yeah and make it accessible um exactly find those ways you know I I think across the board but particularly of Gen Z people want to make ethical choices we all yeah. want to do the good <laughs> yeah. thing yeah. <laughs> but if it's out of our price range if it's difficult to attain what, what are we meant to do so exactly. I think it's a huge selling point for brands who can adapt to that now the third myth actually is the idea and I think this ties back to the first myth where we you know accidentally think of them all as children is that Gen Z don't have commercial power they don't have purchasing pull and <laughs> that maybe this is where some of the confusion for marketers lies because maybe they're not regarded as as worthy of investment and research because we think of them as kids, they're not buying stuff, therefore we don't need to directly appeal to them. But of course, that's not true. And when we talk about sustainability and, and more broadly, the a brand's record on social justice issues, we know this is becoming more important to Gen Z as we know this is something that's influencing or even dictating where they're spending their money. And we found that that played a bigger role for this generation than any other age group. So, Jay, between those two things, do you think brands do need to be more conscious of the messaging they're putting out to this generation? Yeah, definitely. I think that... um... I think like with any generation, because the thing is, is this, like I alluded to a second ago, the as marketers, one of our favorite things to do is, is to categorize generations. Because it's, if we're being honest, it's just easier to sell, sell stuff if we categorize people. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think the, the, it's not just true of Gen Z, it's true of all generations. I think the great marketers spend the time to understand what their target audience actually wants from them and what each target audience wants from a demographic is going to be different. Um, for once from a brand, sorry, is going to be different. And I think the what's happened over the last, dare I say, 20 years is we've moved away from a data approach. Social media has caused a lot of brands to move away from a data approach and trust within the platforms that they're that they're paying to promote stuff so it, whether it's facebook instagram tiktok whatever it may be and we've gone actually you know what as long as my likes and engagement is up it must be great for my business and i think the yeah. the best thing a brand can do is actually engage in a conversation with your target consumer and actually ask them what they want to see from you and then shut up and listen and i think when we do that mm-hmm. we then are able to actually build things that people want instead of building things that we think that people want and the latter is the thing that a lot of us do really really well i do this all the time i will talk to cat cat will tell me one thing and i will hear what i want to hear and then instead of actually asking and going hey cat is this what you said i'm actually just repeat i'm just thinking to myself this is what cat said and i'm gonna go off and, yeah i'm gonna go off and do this and i'm very good at doing that um but and as marketers and as brands that's what we do as well we we, we don't really take our time 
to, to listen and understand. And the thing is with this generation, if you don't take that time, different to previous generations, with previous generations, you could do that and get away, get away with it. With this generation, mm-hmm. you do that and they can just drag you on social media. So you can't make those mistakes. So instead of, so if we take the time to understand what we what they want, and that doesn't even have to be done with, with platforms like ourselves. You can do this directly via your social media platforms, directly with them. And um, if you want to do it quickly, you do it with us. But if you want to do it slowly, do it yourself. Um, and I think the if you if you take that time to understand that, then when you've engaged with them, you're then able to actually say, okay, this is what you told us that you want. And if you make a mistake, you can then actually go, you know, we've made a mistake. Um, how can we, um, then you can actually come out and say, we did this research. This is the research we did. This is how we engage with Gen Z to make sure that we make, do the campaign right. We've made a mistake. We hold our hands up. Next time we'll improve. And I think if you don't do that research, it's hard. you don't really have a leg to stand on because you didn't actually engage with them to yeah. understand. So I think it's, as long as you do the research, you can then make sure you produce amazing things. And if you don't do the research, then there's no one to blame but yourself. But uh, but yeah, definitely this generation, will, will they will really pay attention to what you're doing as a brand to make sure that you're engaging with them in the right way to make sure you're producing exactly what they want to see. Yeah, I think it's that transparency that almost matters most. If As long as you're doing the work, you're putting in the effort and you're being clear about your intentions and the work you've done to get to them, then I think this generation is going to be much more forgiving than if you... A, storm in blindly, and then B, try to hide it. I think that's the worst yeah. thing you can do as yeah. a brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you've hit I, it on the nail there. <laughs> and I think, I think the thing is, is that their spending power is rising to four point four trillion dollars by twenty thirty. That's a lot of money, and um, and I think the smart brands, if I'm being honest, the smart brands that are, what they're doing is they're having Gen Z as a focus, but they're also looking at Generation Alpha, which is the next generation coming along. And I think they're the brands that I'm really excited about. The ones that are looking they're looking 15 years down the line and they're going, yep, we want to kill Gen Z and we're going to keep doing that research, but we're also starting teams that are looking into Generation Alpha because that's going to be a whole nother, um, uh, whole nother situation. I think we just got a secret insight into Imagine Insights business strategy. <laughs> Five-year plan, it's revealed. This is the drop. Yeah, we heard it here first. <laughs> giving it all away. <laughs> but this was, you know, this was something I, I kind of... Uh, gave uh, my my thoughts on a minute ago Kat but I'm sure you have mm-hmm. a much more um, informed answer you know I've talked about the fact that marketers from our research are not confident I think it was it was 42 percent mm-hmm. um, of marketers that could say they felt comfortable with this generation and then the rest of them you know almost six out of ten marketers not so sure mm-hmm. they don't feel confident talking to Gen Zers where is that coming from? Where is this disconnect starting, do you think? I think, I mean, to, to put it simply, and it's, it's pretty much summing up what, what Jay just said already, mm. is unless you ask, how do you know? You know, it's the yeah. same with anyone. Like, you have to consult with this this audience if you are going to market to them. You know, and we will probably say that five times throughout this whole podcast because, and that's what we that's what we say day in, day out. That's what we're, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we set up the business. But, you know, you cannot market a product effectively if you do not engage and ask your audience what they want to see, what they want to hear, how they want to react, you know, all of those things. So you have to mm-hmm. consult with them. And that disconnect will come if you haven't asked if you don't know if you put an advert out let's say um and let's go broadcast for example and you haven't asked your target audience i.e gen z 
if that's not gonna if that's gonna fail well then you know more for you because you could have just done a piece of research whereby you asked them what they'd want to see in that ad and then you could have a really banging ad and and people would buy your products um so that is for me the the number one disconnect um yeah why things don't work amazing um and Jay you've obviously well I mean both of you have given really good advice to brands listening about how they can appeal to this increasingly lucrative market but are there any last tips that you would offer any extra you know secret sauce that you could offer to brands to engage with them the number one is is just humility I think as a brand, if you can be humble, because mm. historically as brands, it's hard to be humble because we're killing it. When you're a massive brand, you've been doing it amazing for 20, 30 years, or you've come out in the industry and everybody's liking your stuff all over social media, it's hard to then say, actually, you know what? So maybe we should maybe we should continue to learn. And I think a growth mindset is potentially the most powerful thing anybody can have. And I think is if you've got the humility to say, you know what, I don't know everything. Um, I want to learn something mm-hmm. and um, I'm gonna be humble enough to take the time and listen. I think as a brand, you're, you're only going to win. I think you're only going to continue to progress and, and, and move forward. So that would be the main thing. Just be humble enough to listen, um, for sure. For sure, definitely. We've all seen brands make mistakes. And the ones that I remember coming out of those mistakes better were, as you say, the ones that held their hands up and went, oops, <laughs> we messed up. Uh, and not the ones that doubled down and tried to bury their mistakes. So I think the the, the next myth that that I'd like to take part to bust is and we touched upon it earlier is the idea that gen z are all about fast fashion you know these fast fashion digital native brands have sprung out kind of out of nowhere they've become overnight successes and a lot of the focus has been on the fact that gen z are driving this industry and i think there's an alignment here between what people think how people think gen z shop and the general awareness of kind of consumer cynicism that people don't trust brands, they're not invested in them. And so they're just going to look for the easiest way to spend their money. And you you guys had some pretty damning findings about trusting brands generally from this audience, from Gen Zers. Is there anything you would mind sharing with that in, with respect to that, Jay? Yeah, so the the one the percentage that you're discussing is that zero percent of our. So we basically got our community to rank uh, the um, people or um, sectors that they trusted. So it was everything from like mm-hmm. scientists to your parents to your grandparents, friends, uh, brands, newspapers, or whatever it may be. And brands came down as zero percent. Zero percent of our community oh. said that said that they trusted brands, I know, ouch, right? which is which is which is painful right, right. it's like a it's like a, it's like a punch yeah. in the face um but i think the the interesting thing around that is that as brands we've rested on our laurels and i think it's very much we just assumed that people liked us without actually realizing that people just used us based based upon convenience and the thing that we're yeah. seeing with gen z is that they're seeing and pretty completely different to all other generations they're seeing brands as interchangeable so say for example with gen x's there was a massive love for coca-cola they would start drinking coke as a child and then they would drink coke all the way to the end of, the end of their existence and some of them had all of the bottles of coke that have ever come and all things like that that they're massive fans of coke and they wouldn't drink anything else mm. with gen z they just see brands as interchangeable if Pepsi comes out with a better drink, they will drink that. If Coke comes out with a better drink, they'll drink that. If they're using Waze, yeah. they'll use Waze. But then if Google Maps comes out with a better way of using a map, they'll just use that. If they're using Boohoo, that's great. But then if Pretty Little Thing has a... They just don't care. 
for them, it's kind of, it's all interchangeable. Yeah. And, and one of the main reasons that they're doing that is because they're just understanding themselves. They're begin, they're testing, learning, they're A-B testing mm-hmm. what works for them. Um, and what will happen is over time, that will solidify. And brands have an amazing opportunity right now to solidify themselves with this demographic, enable them to fall in love with them by building that brand equity, that brand love, which will last for an extended period of time. And I think the... Um, Kat alluded to earlier, she eloquently explained uh, the idea of really just um, when you're engaging with this with, with this demographic, it's understanding that at the moment they're broke. They're literally broke. We've all been there. Like yeah. you, you grew up, we had no money. So we just bought the things that were cheap. But what will happen is they will yeah. ditch these fast fashion brands as they start to make more money. As they start to make more money, they will ditch these fast fashion brands and they will move to more sustainable brands because they can afford to. At the moment, they can't. So they're just spending cheap, um, but that will change. And then you, yes, you'll be able to loop in Generation Alpha and so on and so on, but if they're more savvy, they may not buy from your company. So I think there's a there's going to be a shift. I think probably, um, if I'm gonna put my hat on it, I would say in the next five years, there'll be a shift um, and they'll stop They'll stop spending with these fast fashion brands and, and there'll be a lot of layoffs, but yeah. Scary or, or really positive, depending on which way you look yeah. at it. You know, exactly. this, is, this is the direction we have to go as a planet, as a people. So, and this is the generation that seem to be making serious moves on that. You know, millennials talked a good game, but I'm not sure we've lived up to it, to be honest. Yeah. Whereas Gen Z really seems to be putting, once they have money, they do seem to be putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And brands are, you know, brands are obviously desperate to respond to that. And we see that at the highest level, you know, the really premium sustainable fashion lines but we also see high street lines are kind of trying to get in on it and I think the danger is that they're seen as trying to cash in on it and this is something I think Jen said are particularly savvy to they see right through this okay and that's where you get the accusations of greenwashing that's where you get brands dragged on social media for doing these sustainable lines that you actually then find out are about five percent recycled fabrics or something and then 95% the same jersey we've always been buying how so how can brands I guess my question to you Jay is how can brands respond to that how can they or more broadly how can brands communicate with Gen Z in a way that's going to make them appear authentic to this audience so say for example for the, I'll, I'll answer your first question um you first question first because that's probably just all the answer questions but anyway um the the interesting thing for brands is that if you make a mistake, the best thing you can do is come out and put your hands up and explain what you're going to do next. I think the biggest challenge that we have is, is that brands think that once we've made a mistake, we kind of just, we, we put out our PR piece, but then we don't really talk about what we're going to do next. And I think it's the next steps that's most important. This is the mistake we've made. Here are our clear next steps. Here's our one year, two year, three year five-year and decade-long strategy about how we're going to improve this. And I think if a brand does that and does that well, they'll win. And you had this issue when um, one of the big fast fashion brands, it was found out that they had like, there was a factory that collapsed somewhere in the world and it was their factory and the working conditions were horrible and so on and so on. And they kind of just brushed it on the rug and kept it moving. And I think that will work in the, in the, in the short term, but in, over an extended period of time, Gen Z just, in their mind, they've just remembered that. Same, so, same with me. Like, I just remember it in the back of my mind. And then once, a later, at a later stage, when I can ditch that brand, I will ditch them because I'll just remember what, how they acted. And I think the, um, I think the most powerful thing a brand can do is is really just make sure that they're honest and upfront. And then I, going back to, and Kat said we were going to do this, we're just banging the drum for research. Just do your research. Just talk to them. It's not that hard. 
you don't even need to use a company you don't even need to know an agency or a platform to do it you can do it yourself via social media engage with them in the comments it's a longer process and i understand that it's a longer process and your boss is going to say no we've got q1 q2 coming up we've got q3 coming up let's focus on this and focus and you have to just go yo if we don't do this now we're going to be screwed it's going to absolutely screw us later on. Yeah. So either we put this time in to do the work now and it will it will benefit us over the next five years or we don't and we run quarter to quarter and then in 10 years' time, we won't exist. So it's the it's the long-term play versus the short-term play, really, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So or, you know, option C, you go to an agency like Imagine Insights and you get a 72-hour exactly. turnaround. All <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean. All that. We'll pay you 25 that later. We'll pay you 25 later. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the last myth I think we'll tackle today is this idea that Gen Zers are all these kind of celeb wannabes. And I think that's something that stemmed from the pervasiveness of social media and kind of the different ways that much older generations use it compared to younger generations um and it's quite a judgmental myth so I really want us to kind of shred this one but it relates to the 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 social media elements relates to that kind of brand cynicism I think and it's it's often why we you know we work in influence marketing because we know that particularly younger consumers have much more faith in their family, in their friends, and also on online in online personas. They trust influencers to make recommendations if it's done the right way. And this is something that we spend a lot of time educating brands about. You know, the, the kind of one-shot ad doesn't really work anymore in our experience because it's an ad. It's very transparently an ad. People can see it and they don't trust it. So we've been doing a lot of research into, into specifically research guys brownie points Mm -hmm. we've been doing a lot of research into specifically how these younger consumers do engage with social media whether the celeb culture is something that still has a hold on them or as we found actually something that gen z are moving away from and one of the surprising findings for us was that gen z don't care about mega influencers and these are the you know the 100,000 plus followers the really Mm -hmm. giants of the social media age um, who I think were a very big deal for our generation you know you only have to look at keeping up with Kardashians to see what social media can do for people and if anything we saw that actually Gen Zers preferred smaller accounts to follow and to engage with and that was a really interesting finding for us it's something we suspected but it's nice to have it confirmed and I wonder maybe for you, Kat, whether you had any thoughts on why that might be. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's a really interesting one to unpick. And I know you've yeah done a whole lot of research on this. And I think it, it comes back to that thing of, and, and even it doesn't have to be Gen Z, but I know we're speaking about, but even for us as millennials, you know, you want to see people that are like you. And, you know, we've talked quite a lot about this um, in, you know, other, other interviews that we've done around, um, people feeling more comfortable when they see people who look like them right Mm -hmm. so I want to see someone that is of mixed heritage background that is five foot two that is from South London but talks like they're from South London because that is going to appeal to me you know and there's so many different people out there so how do you identify with people you know these are ads right so how do you interview identify with people that are in these ads and the only way that you can really truly do that is if you see someone that has similarities characteristics or something that you are particularly interested in and that's the way you resonate and I think you know that has been why platforms like TikTok have done so well because that sort of you know 
the quality of the video and the way that mm. the style of the videos that are recorded are just about you, right? And so you can, I, I still believe that you can be a huge celebrity, but if you strip that back a bit, it's not over rehearsed, it's not over performed, and you can be, you could be Kardashians, but you can still be you, right? And you yeah. can still relate to people. You just have to not be as polished and you have to just be humble. You know, Jay was saying that earlier. It's the same. You just have to just be, yeah, be yourself, be relatable to people, and that's where you'll get that connection. For sure. And and that's perfect segue. So thank you for this, because obviously. TikTok is something that we found, I, mean, I don't know that we needed to find it, but again, nice to have it confirmed, very popular with Gen Zers. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone listening. Um, and they really enjoy the pre-recorded audio on that, that's a uh, pre-recorded video, sorry. That's one of their favourite content mediums to engage with. In fact, it is their favourite, um, much more than any other generation. They, they enjoy that kind of content. And n- naturally... Therefore, brands want to get involved. Brands are launching TikToks. Brands are recording their videos. Sometimes it hits, sometimes not so much. Jay, do you think this is like, is is TikTok, is this kind of medium safe territory for brands? Or is there a chance they could come off a bit cringy that they might seem a bit out of touch? I think that's a real Um, fear for brands. Yeah, for sure. I, def- I definitely understand the fear. And I think anytime there's a new platform, there's, there's, there's going to be fear. And I think the um, short answer is yes. Um, TikTok is a great place to be. I think and I think any social media platform that gives you that kind of reach is a great place to be. I think the um, at times you will come across cringy and that's fine. It's, and sometimes it's good to lean into the cringe where, hey, we're a whole bunch yeah. of old people. We're a whole bunch of old millennials trying to do TikTok. Yeah. Are we, are, are we doing it right? Do you know what I mean? Like, and if not, then just yeah. take the piss out of us and we'll lean into the fact that you're taking the piss out of us. And I think the, when you look at accounts, whether it's small or large accounts that are doing well on TikTok, they're the ones that kind of just own whatever the hell they're doing. Whatever their niche is, they just own it. They're just like, yo, this is what I'm about. This is what I give a crap about. That's what I'm going to talk about. And if it's not for you, because the great thing about TikTok is the great thing about TikTok, Reddit, network, discord is you can find your weird community you can find your niche weird community that only care about the things that you care about they want to crochet footballs and kick, get them wet and then kick them into the, they, they want to do these weird things you can find that community <laughs> yeah. and engage with them and and i think as a brand it's a great place to just go in be nerdy try out things test and learn see what happens see what works um, and don't use it as like a we're banging the drum for our brand and use it as a place to we just want to connect with you guys, have a conversation um, and just learn. And I think if you do it like that, and I actually wrote a LinkedIn post this morning, I was going to post it, but I decided against it. But it was literally what I was at the bottom. The third point in the post was basically just have fun. If you can as a brand, if you could just have fun on TikTok and be like, Yo, we just want to have fun. We're out here just, we're not trying to do anything cheesy. We just want to try and have fun. And if it comes across cheesy, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's all it's, it's all win-win. And I just definitely think if you come from a place of just like, meh, we're just going to live and learn and see what happens. And I know brand guidelines, blah, 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 blah. But if you could just go in there, don't do anything that's detrimental to the brand, but just do <laughs> just do whatever you can, then, then yeah, it's going to be all right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and again, it is something our research supported. We asked um, the respondents what kind of character, characteristics mattered most to them, what they wanted to see from the content they were engaging with on social media. 
And something that surprised us is the aspirational content, Mm -hmm. which I kind of think of as the old school social media where you got to see the perfect flat lays and everyone was jetting off on their holiday and nothing else. That was all you saw, (laughs) you know, the, the silver screen of everyone's lives. That was the least important to to Gen Z. They really don't they don't like it. They don't want it. Um, it ranked the lowest of all the characteristics. Whereas the three most important characteristics were that content was enjoyable, that it was informative, and that it was authentic. And that's yeah. everything you're saying, Jay. That's exactly what um, Gen Z want to see. Which, of course, you you will know. What kind of actionable insights can brands take from this how should that be informing their marketing do you think yeah the funny thing is that i started my own personal tiktok in like november last year and i just wanted to just test it out and see like i did a whole bunch of things on there so i did like i sung i danced i tried to do funny i tried to do cheesy i tried to do like a whole bunch of things (laughs) And I just couldn't get any of it to work. Like nobody was engaging with it. I was getting like, I was like, what is going on? Like, I was like, I'm hilarious. Why is this not working? Um, <laughs> and then, and I was doing this and doing this and doing this. And then somebody commented and was like, dude, I love your outfit. And I was like, what? And then another person commented, I love your outfits. And I was like, what's going on? And I thought, let me just start posting about my outfits. So I just, I wasn't talking, wasn't saying anything. I was just posting random stuff about my outfits, like putting this together with this piece. And blah, blah, blah. And it began to really pick up. And then it went from like 5,000 views to 20,000. And I was like, oh, wow, people, they want to see the outfits. And then what I realized was people were going like, okay, so where are you wearing this outfit? I was like, oh, I'm wearing this outfit to go do this. And people were liking the fact that they could kind of see into my life. So what I thought people wanted to see from me wasn't what people wanted to see and then like the other day my motorbike got stolen and I was like oh my, I did a video and I was like oh my motorbike just got stolen but my outfit was great and people were like I love this I love the fact that you're super honest about the fact that your motorbike got nicked but at the same time you're talking about your outfit and I think it's I I 100% relate to the to the three points that you made it was the the three um um key characteristics because when I realized when I if the first way I was trying to engage in TikTok was aspirational and singing and dancing and blah 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 trying to be whatever and then the second way was kind of just like meh, these are my clothes if you're interested you you watch it if you don't it doesn't really matter and I and I see with brands they're still they're coming onto TikTok and they're still trying to do that first way and my favorite thing about tiktok is is the influencers that were killing it on instagram are having an absolute mare on tiktok and it makes me so happy yeah. so i'm just like oh it sucks for you you're irrelevant on here that's such a shame and i think the it's it's amazing because it's a beautiful opportunity for brands to come in and go actually no we can strip away the playbook strip away everything we assumed and just create fun interesting things and see what people think and the great thing is like i was saying a second ago you can just test and learn at scale you can take you can create copious amounts of videos all day every day and just pump stuff out and just keep pumping out pumping out pumping out sending you could do 20 videos a day if you wanted to just get your team creating that crazy running around the office like doing whatever the hell they want just get absolutely insane and and then when that when something catches on, you then go, okay, that's what we're going to do. And you see this with Duolingo, their TikTok. You see them in the early days on their that's TikTok. Ryanair. It was just test and learn. Ryanair, exactly the same, just yeah. test and learn. Ryanair, then they found so, what yeah. worked, and then they just they just went gangbusters with it. And I think that's the that's the key. You just you just got to just have fun with it and realize it's just the antithesis of what instagram was so what you so doing the whole oh we're just going to take what we're posting on instagram and then post it to thingy yeah good luck man like good luck like more people yeah. more people will view my outfits than will review your video bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's amazing. They are such valuable insights. I know <laughs> so many of our listeners will be probably frantically deleting content from TikTok right now. <laughs> I'm suddenly going back through hours like, oh no. <laughs> but yeah, like like we talked about, it's okay to make mistakes. Just move on. Just keep progressing, exactly. keep researching, develop who you are, what you're offering your audience, and um, what you're bringing to the table. And I think Gen Z respects that. Now, listen, I have taken up way too much of your time already, but I'm so grateful for everything you've shared today, guys. It's been amazing talking to you. Where can people go? I've gone on and on about your research. So where can people go to find it? So um, the actual, if you go to our website, so www.imagineinsights.com, um, there is a section for the report there. Um, so you just need to fill in email and that will get sent to you. And it's Perfect. definitely worth the read. It really is because there's a few in different categories, but I honed in on the brutally honest one and it is, that's accurate. That is accurate. (laughs) 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 Prepare to be disappointed. Prepare to have to move in on your strategy. It needs totally changing. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, thank you so much, guys. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's Influencer Marketing Talks. We hope you've learned something, probably quite a lot from Kat and Jay. What an amazing start to season four. Do tune back in next week for a new episode of Influence Marketing Talks brought to you by Cure Media.